Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time, a reading from the first book of Kings. At the mountain of God, Horeb, Elijah came to a cave where he took shelter. Then the Lord said to him, Go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will be passing by. A strong and heavy wind was rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire there was a tiny whispering sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Response. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Kindness and truth shall meet, justice and peace shall kiss, truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and prepare the way of his steps. Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience joins with the Holy Spirit in bearing me witness that I have great sorrow and constant anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ, for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites. Theirs the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. Theirs the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is over all, God-blessed, forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter, and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As a kid, I was definitely not a beach person. Part of the reason is that, well, my family rarely went to the beach. And when we did, I didn't find it a pleasant experience. We never had swim lessons, so I was afraid of the ocean. And having inherited my father's fair Irish skin, a day in the sun generally led to a bad sunburn, and maybe even blisters. There was no SPF 50 sunscreen back then, remember. Decades later, I've thankfully been able to overcome my childhood 
childhood trauma, even without therapy, for that at least. I now love the beach. I enjoy walking for hours in the soft sand with the wind at my back. And duly lathered in sunscreen, I can sit on this uh, beach for an entire afternoon with a bottle of water, there, there might be some gin in there, a good book, and the time to drift off to sleep in the sun. And yes, it's a great place for me to pray. With the crashing waves and the squeals of seagulls and children in the background, I can somehow hear the voice of God whispering to me and assuring me of his presence on life's stormy seas. I guess Elijah wasn't a beach guy either. When Queen Jezebel, the pagan wife of the Jewish king Ahaz, threatens to kill Elijah when he confronts them over their worship of false gods, Elijah runs to the mountains, not the beach. That kind of makes sense, though, actually. In Old Testament times, the people believed that you were closer to God when you were at a higher elevation. Moses, remember, goes to Mount Horeb to fetch the Ten Commandments and get instructions from the Lord. And so that's where Elijah goes, too. Unfortunately, the storms of life follow the prophet there. There's a strong wind and an earthquake and fire, and Elijah is likely terrified. But the mighty Lord does reveal himself, however, ironically, in a gentle, whispering sound. And Elijah is strengthened for continued service to the Lord and the chosen people. All too often, we think of St. Peter as a kind of stooge, at least in the Gospels, and before the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Jesus even calls Peter Satan at a certain point because of his resistance to the sacrifice Jesus must make on our behalf. When he severs the ear of one of the guards who arrest Jesus, Jesus rebukes Peter and heals the guard. Peter insists he will never deny Jesus, and yet he does so, not once, but three times. And in today's gospel, once again, Peter looks foolish. In the midst of a storm, Jesus walks on water, and Peter, ever impulsive, demands the power to do the same. The result is that he nearly drowns before Jesus saves him. I mean, come on, Peter, really. Walk on water? You're not God. But I think we need to give Peter some credit. Peter is willing to be bold when no one else is willing to do it. Sure, Peter denied Jesus, but he also had the courage, however imperfect, to follow at a short distance while the others ran away. Peter defended Jesus with his sword, even if the Lord didn't affirm his methods. And Peter was willing to boldly trust Jesus on the stormy sea, even if his faith was not yet quite strong enough to sustain him. Symbolically, it's interesting that Peter is brave enough to go to the water, which, from the dawn of creation, has represented chaos, disorder, and the absence of the Spirit of God. In Genesis, before God speaks to create, we hear, the Lord, or the earth, was without form or shape, with darkness over the abyss, and a mighty wind sweeping over the waters. So the Lord uses Peter's imperfect, even stooge-like faith to reveal that he is always with us. He never abandons us, even if we struggle to perceive his presence. The Lord's power and the Lord's love for us knows no limits or bounds. By daring to venture even into the chaos, then Peter sets the stage for God's glory by manifesting his greatness even over the overwhelming forces of evil. God's love conquers all. In today's reading from the letter to the Romans, Paul expresses his anguish over a false accusation. A Jew himself, Paul is accused of betraying his own people and his Jewish faith by preaching Jesus to the Gentiles and claiming that the Gentiles could be saved without following the law of Moses. But Paul is convinced that the Lord will never abandon his chosen people and that somehow his ministry to the Gentiles, however controversial, will help lead both Jews and Gentiles to the truth and to a share in God's glory for all who love him. And if that means for now he must suffer, then Paul is willing to be a fool for Christ. Even in persecution and darkness, Paul listens for and hears God's whispering voice. 
I have also never been a fraternity guy. My impression as a college student, which I understand is not entirely accurate, is that membership in a frat was just an excuse to drink to excess and act like a fool, and I wasn't about to be a part of the ridiculous and infamous hazing rituals that were required for admission. My perception was, in no small part, clouded by the 1978 film Animal House. In one iconic scene, a pledge, played by Kevin Bacon, submits to being paddled by a frat brother while stripped to his underwear. With each blow, the young man responds, Thank you, may I please have another? Somehow the humiliation was worth it to become a part of something good. Jesus challenges us, his disciples, to be fools for Christ. We are asked to brave the eye of the storm, the hostility of those who oppose us, the chaos of the untamed sea. Our persecutors are sometimes the very people whom we thought we could count on, and yet we must believe with God's grace we can walk on the water, because we know that God can conquer injustice even in the darkest hour. And so when we are paddled for defending truth and justice, we don't quit and we don't walk away. Blessed to suffer with Christ and for him, we respond, thank you, may I please have another. Because somehow when God reveals his presence in the darkest of nights and the fiercest of storms, God will be glorified and we will too. In John's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, in the world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. In our perseverance in trials, we will help him show just how true that is. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, and say a prayer for me. Mm-hmm.